I'm so grateful for choices. I am so grateful for love, for this community, for these hearts that, that hold me and that I can hold. And I release this into the law, already done, already part of what we see and feel and experience in the next breath. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you. We've been talking this whole month, kind of, the, our, our year theme is moving spirituality into action. Moving spirituality into action. It does no good to just sit on it, right? Yes? Okay. So we're going to move our spirituality. So when somebody says, what, what are you doing this year? I'm moving my spirituality. Shake your spirituality. And so, but in order to do that, we want to have a base. We want to have a foundation. And so we've been looking this whole month, and this is our fourth week and our final week of looking at our kind of foundation of what do we believe? What is, what is this spirituality that we're building on and that we're moving into action? Because you've got to know that, right? Okay. And so we've looked, first of all, at the nature of the thing itself. And the thing itself is a beingness, not a being. Right? It is beingness not a being somewhere. And its nature is infinite love expressing through immutable law, impersonal and immutable law. By impersonal law, I simply mean that it works the same for everybody, constantly, like gravity, like electricity. Gravity doesn't look at you and say, I like you better and I don't like you as well, so I'm going to work differently for you. It doesn't say, I work differently over in Russia than I do in South America. It works the same everywhere, right? Outer space, the effect is different, but the law, the principle works the same, right? Yes? Okay. So that's its nature. It works through this immutable law. The law is simply what I put into it is what comes back out of it. What I put into it is what comes back out of it. That's the immutable law. In our lives, in our personal lives, it works by working through us. Through us. And how much of it can we have? As much as we can allow through us. Right? And what it does, which is what we looked at last week, is it bees. If you were here last week, you understand that. It's just being itself constantly. The nature of God doesn't change. It doesn't say, again, I like you better, and I'm going to be one way for you, and I'm going to be a different way for you. It just is. Now, we, through our belief system, which is what we allow through us, can have a different experience of God, just like the, the, the blind men who are experiencing the elephant, different aspects of the elephant, can have a different experience of the elephant. But the elephant is just the same. It just is being an elephant, right? So God is just being God, constantly. Now, this is not what it is. I don't know what God is. And anybody who tells you they know what God is is lying to you. (laughs) But I can see how it shows up. This is what Ernest is talking about, the visible effects. Jesus talked, gave a comparison of it to the wind. You can't see wind. But you can see the movement and the motion of wind through the effect, right? Okay, yes? So that's what we're looking at. We don't know what God is. We can't see this infinite beingness, 
but we can see its effect by its motion in life. And so from there, we can learn about it. So this week, we're going to finally look at, so how do we take this thing, this love, law, immutable thing, this, and use it and express it in our lives? How do we take this thing that is infinite love, expressing through the law, whose only agenda is freedom, and apply it? Because, frankly, it's no good to just know about it, right? Oh, it's just out there. We have to apply it, yes? It's like electricity. Electricity has always been available, right? We didn't know how to apply it for a long time in human history. Sometimes today we still don't know how to apply it. So we must first apply it. That's the, that's the basis of this. Ernest Holmes, in, in, in this, the start of this chapter, gives a, a little nudge, a little um, kick in the spirituality. One of the great difficulties of this teaching is that we are likely to indulge in too much theory and too little practice. The practitioner students know this one well. As a matter of fact, we only know as much as we can prove by actual demonstration. It is easy enough to rush about shouting that there are no sick people, but that this will never heal those who appear sick. It is easy to proclaim that there are no needy. Anyone can say this, whether he is wise or otherwise. I love that phrase, Vernus, whether he is wise or otherwise. If we are to prove such statements to be fact, we shall be compelled to do more than announce a principle, no matter how true it may be. I, we can't just talk about it. I can't just stand up here and talk about it. I have to apply it. You can't just sit there and listen to it. You have to apply it. That's the good news, bad news, whatever. Now, here's the thing to recognize. First of all, is we are always applying this principle. Always living and applying this principle. We're always using it. This chapter could, could be titled, How to Use It Wisely. How to Use It Consciously. Because that's what we want to gain, is we've all been using it, but sometimes, in case you haven't noticed, I've noticed in my life, I haven't been using it wisely or well. In the um, Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail movie, when he encounters the Grail Knight and he's trying to choose which of the chalices is Jesus, was Jesus' chalice, which is the Holy Grail, the, the, the knight who's protecting it looks at him and says, choose, but choose wisely. And we constantly get that from the universe, if you will. That's, that's what's constantly going on in our lives. Choose, but choose wisely. So to understand this is since it flows through us, since this energy, this infinite presence flows through us in accordance with our thought, we must become conscious of our thoughts. And not just those hopes we hold on the surface, but more the deeply held and often subtle beliefs that live underneath that. That because it's, only our, it's really our beliefs that show up. It's our emotionalized thought, which is belief. It's the thing that I really actually believe and have emotion about. You ever encounter anybody who has emotion about their thoughts and their beliefs? You ever look in a mirror? We all do, right? And so that's what's really showing up. It's emotionalized thought. It's embodied thought. It's what, I'm, what I really truly believe. We can have the belief, for instance, that... that if things get too good, what happens? <coughs> What's that? Take it away 
Yeah, we're going to take it away. We're going to look. There's got to be balance. Karma. That's a belief. And because we believe it, guess what? It shows up. Watch the economy. This is a race thought that's been around for thousands of years. There's actually phrases in the Bible that says, we move from glory to greater glory, and that God's good comes with no sorrow added. We don't have to have that pattern running. But somewhere along the way, somebody chose that, oh yeah, we've got to do that. Things are getting too good. Something's got to happen. The other shoe's got to drop. You know, all that stuff. That's a belief. And so we, if that's our belief, it's going to show up in some way, no matter how much prosperity thinking we have or love thinking we have or health thinking we have, something is going to show up, yes? As long as we have that underlying belief. And we'll be sitting there going, but I'm thinking about prosperity, but I'm believing way down underneath here. Yeah, but if it gets too good, got to take it down. Jesus uses a story that's listed, that's known as the prodigal son, and I really hate that title because it isn't about the kid. By the way, do you know what the word prodigal means? It means extravagant, lavish. There's a wonderful poem that says, nature is prodigal with beauty. Prodigal with beauty. Prodigious is the same root word. Okay? So this kid is just an extravagant kid. Right? So Jesus uses the Father as the example of how God works. And there's four things I want to talk about. Number one, the father is incapable of saying no. The kid asks him for his inheritance. Think about your father or mother. If you walked up to them as a 17-year-old and said, hey, you're going to kick the bucket someday. I want my inheritance now while I can be young enough to appreciate it. What do you think would happen? <laughs> after the laughter dies down or after you pick yourself off the, off the ground, depending on you know, the nature of your family. Okay. See, in Jesus' time, that kid could have actually been turned over to the judges and taken to the outskirts of town and stoned to death just for making that request. It's called being an unruly teenager, and if you look up Leviticus and, and Mosaic Law, you can stone your kid to death for being an unruly teenager. Most of us would not be here today <laughs> if that law was applied, you know. But instead, the father says, yes, which is the only thing the universe ever says to us. It's not capable of saying no. And then the next thing is the father is constantly loving. There is no place in this journey that this kid takes where the father stops loving the son. So the universe is constantly loving, no matter what you're doing. No matter what you've been, who you are, what you may, you know, all your past, all your list of, you know, someday when I'm, Skinny, rich, good-looking, famous, uh, write that book, da, 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 all that stuff. Then I'll be. The universe doesn't care. It thinks you're wonderful right this second. Nudge your neighbor. The universe knows you're wonderful right now. And you are. <clears throat> so that's the second thing, is it's constantly loving. The third thing is it does not interfere or rescue. The dad lets the kid have the experience, Right? And we, a lot of us were raised in religions that said God's going to come in and manipulate things around. We ask questions like, how could God let that happen? And that's sort of like asking, how could gravity let that happen? And when I fall over. <laughs> gravity had no, 
isn't involved in letting or not letting it happen. Gravity is just being gravity. If I get drunk and top-heavy, tipsy, I think they call it, right? Isn't that the name of that bar? Sometimes you play it? Yeah, tipsy. And I tip over. It's not about gravity did that to me. It's about my own stupidity. So this universe doesn't interfere or rescue. And then finally, it holds nothing against us. So, you know, that's the second part of that constantly loving thing. It holds nothing against us. It doesn't care what your past was. Ernest puts it this way, principle is not bound by precedent. The infinite does not care what you did yesterday. It only sees you right now. There's only one moment in the universe, and that moment is now, right now. There's no history. Unless we ourselves say, well, yeah, but I did this, so therefore I should experience this. And then the universe just says, yes. So how do we use it? How? One of the things I love about this teaching is we have a method. Ernest once time said that we should have been called the Methodist, but the name was already taken. (laughs) Because we like to use a method. So first we have to remember that God is already being itself. It's already just being itself. It is being the life, the love, the beauty, the wisdom, the joy, the power, the peace, extravagantly, opulently, excessively expressed. That's an inside joke. Being. Just being. Always. And everywhere. It's just being its own nature. So since this, it's already what it is, since this is already so, we don't have to beg it, we don't have to ask it, we don't have to petition or pray for anything because it's already present. Take a breath. There's no God out there to ask, give me my right relationship, give me my wonderful job, bring me some money, give me some health. Jim Morrison in the, in the soft trade was right when he said, you cannot petition the Lord with prayer, for those of us from the 60s. We're Doris fans. Because you can't. There's no Lord to petition. It's already given. It already is. And so all we're doing is aligning ourselves with that truth that already is, becoming more aware of this truth and letting it flow in our lives. Joel Goldsmith says there is only one function in prayer, and that is to be quietly, gently, Peaceful where God is in the silence within your own being. I'm going to repeat that. There is only one function in prayer. And that is to be quietly, gently, peaceful where God is, which is in the silence within your own being. That is the only function of prayer. To just get in touch with that. So in Science of Mind, we use a a technique called spiritual mind treatment. It's a five-step process. And, and don't let the name, if, if you've not heard that before, scare you off. It's just a process. And its only purpose is to align our mind with the one mind. It's to just help us. It's nice to have a method, right? It's nice to have a process. How do I align with the one mind? To align with the good that already is. And so we don't pray to make something happen. We pray to make something welcome. We pray to let whatever is in already existent in our lives. We, we, we remove our bloated nothingness, if you will, out of the way of this flow of that which already is. Where we might not have previously allowed it, 
due to our erroneous beliefs. As we align with this truth of spirit, the nature of spirit has to show up and nothing can hinder it because that's its nature. Nothing, let me repeat that, nothing can hinder it. This is the flow. The hindrance only happens within us. Hindrance only happens within us. I have this, this um, light in my walk-in closet. It's a, it's a fluorescent light. And right now the ballast is going out on it. So once in a while, I, sometimes I come in and I flip the light switch, and the flow of electricity works perfectly, right? I flip the switch, it goes. But the ballast is in a position, or for however it works, I don't know how they work, but it's not receiving it fully. Okay? So the light doesn't always come on. It kind of buzzes. There's a little tiny glow. I'll turn the switch off, and I'll turn it back on, and usually that'll get it going again. And sometimes it takes a third thing to, you know, to do it. Okay? Is the problem with electricity? Is electricity working perfectly? Okay? The light bulb or the light ballast or whatever it is is what's not working. That's like me. That's like you. God is flowing perfectly, and we have a ballast that may not be functioning completely to let all of the energy in that we want to have. That's all that we're doing. So the nature of spirit has to show up, and nothing can hinder it, just like the nature of electricity is showing up just fine at my light. The only hindrance that's happening is within me. Even if I think my hindrance is outside, oh, it's the economy, oh, it's that person over there, that hindrance is happening within me, about that thing out there. Breathe. Because God doesn't care what the economy is. God doesn't care whether it's flu season or not. God doesn't care who's president or the local dictator or the tribe. Or God doesn't care about any. There's no, it's just being God. Just like electricity is being electricity. Gravity is being gravity. Take that in, breathe. So how should a treatment be done? Ernest says, a treatment should be done in a calm, expectant manner with a deep inner conviction of its reality without any fear that the human mind must make it happen. I want to run through that again real briefly. In a calm, take a breath, calm. We're going to do this in a minute, by the way. Expectant. I expect something to happen. See, when I turn on a light switch, I expect something to happen, yes? That's an expectant manner. With a deep inner conviction of its reality. When I really know that there's only one mind, and that mind is love, that mind is light, that mind is all good, whatever way I want to name that. When I have that deep conviction, it has to show up. And it's that conviction itself that is my flow, that opens the channels. It's sort of like flipping on the light switch, if you will. The electricity is already coming up to the light switch. My conviction is what flips it on to flow into my life. That deep inner conviction of its reality, without any fear that the human mind must make it happen. We don't have to make it happen. We make it welcome. So let's look at this technique, this, this thing we're going to do. First, we align with God. The first step is that we align with God. God is all there is. And we might focus on the particular God quality that we want to experience. If I want to experience more joy in my life, I might want to focus on the God quality of, experience, of joy. Is it all these other things at the same time? Yes, it is. But I want to focus on joy. 
or love or peace or prosperity or whatever it is, health, whatever it is. And so I focus on that particular aspect of God that I want to have a greater experience of. Not because I need to tell God about it, but because I need to tell myself about it and to get aware of it. And then we calmly sit in the awareness of the already existence of that quality. This quality already exists. And we sit there in that, that consciousness. I had a friend once who studied meditation in Thailand, and one time her, in a Buddhist temple, and, and her meditation teacher took her out walking through the grasses, and all of a sudden went, tiger! And there were tigers in the area. And she's like, you know, and he says, and that's the focus with which I want you to meditate. The tiger meditation, the fierce attention. And so if we can pay fierce attention to the quality of the divine, Fierce attention means I'm not thinking about what I'm having for dinner tonight. I might be thinking about not being somebody thing else's dinner tonight if I'm looking at the tiger. <clears throat> if I walk out and, and point a gun at your head, you're not thinking about your grocery list, are you? No. You're, you're like, okay, who's this crazy guy with a gun in his hand and how do I get out of this alive? Focus attention. So we have this passionate, focused attention, still calmly, no anxiety, on this quality we want. So let's say it's joy, greater joy in my life. I'm just, I'm thinking of this joy, and I'm not thinking of anything else. The mind may want to chatter away when it say, hey, wait, but what about? And you say, I'm focusing on joy, because that's all there is. That is the truth of what I want in my life. I've paid enough attention to you, you've played around with me enough, and I'm not listening anymore. Joy. That's our first step. And we do that until we get it. So let's play with that for a minute. Let's take a breath. I'll invite you, if you want to, to gently close your eyes to help your focus. Let yourself relax. Let the seat that you're sitting in just support you, fully support you. There's nothing else to do but just sit here for a moment, just being and breathing. What aspect of this infinite presence would you like to experience more fully? Bring that into your consciousness. Abundance, love, health, life energy and vitality, creativity, wisdom, peace, power. What is it you would like to experience more fully? Recognize that that already is. God is that. Let yourself be aware that God already is. This infinite beingness is already that. Until you feel that, until you embody it, until you can almost feel it right in the cells of your being, maybe imagine even in your mind every single little cell just lighting up with this quality, because it's already there. It's already in your cells. Every atom, every subatomic particle, all the space in between is vibrating in alignment with love, with joy, with peace. Take a breath, breathe that in. And then we move to the second step which is remembering that we are already and always one of God. If this presence is infinite, if it's all there is, there's nothing outside of it, not even you. 
Everything about each of us is already perfect and one of God. Let yourself feel that truth. I am one of this infinite presence. I am one of this joy, this love, because since it is God, already present as God, and you are within God, you already are this. Even if you haven't seen it show up in your life yet, you are that, and right now you're focusing on that and remembering that truth and aligning with this truth, this quality that is already present within you. Feel that. Breathe it in, let it be part of your body. Take a deep breath, and when you're ready, very gently open your eyes and be present here. So these are the first two steps of treatment. God is, and I am one of that. I am one with it. There's no separation. I like to frankly say that those are the only two steps you need. If you get those two steps, their three are, are nice, but they're extraneous. I'll run through them just so you know what they are. Because sometimes it's really helpful to have the other steps to help us with that. So the third step helps us to refine what do I want. So if I'm wanting this joy, I'm wanting it to show up in my life in this area. I'm wanting to have joy in my work. I'm wanting to have joy in my relationship. I'm wanting to have joy in my health and my body, whatever it is, whatever, you know, wherever it is. And it's also the place to clarify and release anything that's been standing in the way. I now let go of any belief that I may have had that is standing in the way of this flow of joy in my life. I kick it out of my closet and it is no longer a part of me. That's kind of the conversation we have in the third step. The fourth step, then, is a simple gratitude for it already being so. This joy is already so. I'm not yet looking to external circumstances. I don't yet, if I'm praying for prosperity, I don't pick up my checkbook and say, has it changed? Has it changed? God, it hasn't changed in the last second. But I know that this prosperity, or this joy, this love, or this health, is already so, and it's happening in its perfect divine timing, in its perfect divine way. Because it's already so as God, and I've now opened up to where it's more so as me. I'm letting more of it in. As, as Buffy said, I've opened up the spillway to let a little more of that flow flow into my life. To let it be me. That was a beautiful opening prayer because it summarized this. And then finally, as we understand that God is all there is, we realize that whatever we focused on is so within God, we expect that it will show up in perfect timing and perfect ways, and then we finally, in the fifth step, let it go. We get our own need to control things out of the way. It's to consciously turn it over to the action of what we call the law. We all said that, you know, I said that uh, God is love and law. Law is the process. And so I put this thing in. You know, you don't plant your tulip seeds in the ground in November, bulbs in the ground in November, and then on the 15th of November, go dig them up to see how they're doing. And on the 30th of November, dig them up again and dig them up again to see how they're doing. You let it go. You let them be tulip bulbs, right? And do their tulip bulb process. And it takes whatever time it takes, but they're doing it right now. 
And so as we planted this seed of what it is that we choose, this God quality we choose, it's taking place within our own consciousness and within the infinite law that's happening around us, and it is sh- it's showing up. It will show up in perfect timing. Perfect timing may be one second from now. Perfect timing might be ten years from now. Perfect timing. So we let go with our human mind, and when we do that, in a way, it circles us right back to the first step because we can let go because we know that God is all there is. I can trust that God is all there is. So these are this, this is the method we use, these five steps. God is. I'm one with it. Therefore, whatever it is that I'm declaring is now manifesting, it is now becoming so, and I get rid of anything that's in the way. I'm grateful to know this is already so. It is, this is a done deal. This, this is the gratitude of, it's Friday, you've just won the lottery. $10 million. But the lottery office isn't open until Monday to cash in your lottery ticket. How do you feel on Saturday? Great? I, I hear some very timid, it's great. <clears throat> you just won $10 million, how do you feel? Okay, good. A little more life. Let's try it one more time. You just won $10 million or some equivalent thereof. What, how do you feel? Thank you. <coughs> Are you a penny richer on Saturday? Your bank account looks exactly the same on Saturday as it did on Friday, right? Assuming you haven't written any checks or spent any money. But you're grateful. Because you know what money is bringing. Right? That's the thanksgiving. That's the gratitude step. That's the fourth step. And then we finally let it go. I don't have to sit there and force the lottery office to open. It's going to open on Monday. And I've got the winning ticket. I don't have to make it happen. I let it go. So that's the, five, the five-step process we use. And so we can take a look at any appearance of lack of sickness, etc., and realize that it's not ultimately the reality, the ultimate reality. Now, but I, the side note to this is don't get stupid. Yeah? If you break your leg, don't sit there and go, oh, there is no breakage in God. There is no lack in God. There is no, you know, this leg is in perfect working order. You've got something going on there with your leg, right? You know, it's like, no, you go to the doctor, you get it set, you get a cast on, and you pray for recovery, Right? So don't get stupid, but do recognize the flow of spirit and invite the flow of spirit. It's an illusion. One of the things, one of our teachings is that we use everything. We use doctors and we use prayer. It distinguishes us from from a couple of other teachings. Only God's nature is real, and all we're doing is aligning with that. So this week, your homework, your spiritual practice, if you want to take it on, one and only one, just do it. If I thought about this earlier, I would have asked Brent to have Karen Drucker's Just Do It song ready for our, our afterwards song. Apply this. Take something in your life that you would like to have a greater flow out of that spillway of the universe, the infinite, that is constantly flowing, and open up your spillway more using this five-step process. God is already that. Because God is that, I am one of it. So I'm already that. And therefore, it's showing up in my life right here, right now, in this way. And anything that I've had in the way in the past, it is out of here. I'm so grateful. I just won the lottery. And I now release it and I let it go because it's already a done deal in the law.
That's our practice. Want to do that? Yeah. Cool. I want to close with a quote from, from Ernest. We should work not with anxiety, but with expectancy. Not by coercion, but with conviction. Not through compulsion, but in a state of conscious recognition and receptivity. We do not have to drive or push, but we must accept and believe. We should leave everything to the law, expecting a full and complete proof of our faith. Perfect belief is the beginning and the end of all good mental work. A Zen student was walking with his teacher, and he said, what is the secret to enlightenment? I've told this story before. Some of you may have heard it. What is the secret to enlightenment? And the Zen teacher says, attention. And the Zen student says, well, yes, I understand that's the first step is attention. He says, but what comes after attention? And the teacher goes, ah. He says, after attention, the first step is attention. The second step is attention. The third step is attention. The 100th step is attention. And finally, the student's perplexed. And he's like, you know, he wants a different answer, right? He says, so what do you mean by attention? And he goes, ah, yes. By attention, I mean attention. (laughs) We want to apply this law. We want to consciously place our attention on what it is we want to have in our life, the qualities of the infinite presence that we want to have more manifest. That is how we open up our spillway and let more flow. Let's move into prayer. And so, knowing that God is, Spirit is, infinite presence, Allah, whatever name we give it, the Tao, whatever name we give it, it's beyond all the names. This infinite thing is all that there is. And it is the love, it is the joy, it is the wisdom, it is the creativity, it is the abundant expression of its own nature, life energy expressing vibrantly. Everywhere, always. And because it's all that there is, each of us is one within it, one of it. We aren't even just a part of it. That part of us is isolated from We're not isolated from it in any way. We are it, individualized as each of us. Perfect as each of us. And so we are this life, this love, this abundant expression of life and vitality, wisdom, creativity, wholeness. We are this already. This is already our nature. And so I speak my word that wherever we have had our dams closed, wherever we have had our spillway shut down or only letting a little bit in, we open it up wider. We let more joy, more life, more love, more health, more creativity, more of whatever it is that we want to experience more of in our lives. Because the universe has no limits. We move from glory to greater glory with no sorrow added. That is the agenda of the infinite. It's an agenda of pure freedom and nothing else. And so we say yes. We say yes to this infinite presence, this infinite nature that is already ours, that we are already one of. And out of this yes, we are grateful. 
because we know that as we open up more to it, it's already expressing that abundance to us. Abundance of health, abundance of love, abundance of creativity, abundance of financial wealth, abundance of whatever it is we need. Ideas, resources, friends, connections. It already is that. And we're grateful. And then I release this word into the law, knowing it is already so. It is already done. I'm grateful for all the good that manifests in everyone's life as we do this practice, as we do this process, as we say yes to spirit. It is done. So it is. So today in the teen room, we learned about negative thoughts and automatic thoughts that we might have about a situation or something that's going on. And we had a process where we identified what was causing the negative thought, what the negative thought was, another way of thinking that could like rationalize the negative thought, and then a new thought. So an example would be, I fell down while bike riding, so I'm not good at bike riding. Um, I'm going to fall down again if I try to do it. And a rational response would be, well, you learn things and you learn how to get better at bike riding. And a new thought would be, I'm great at bike riding. I can learn to not fall and everything will be fine. And we did that for ourselves and made affirmations.